We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. You know, when you're dealing with very, very few degrees, I think it was zero. I think we didn't have any degrees at all this morning when I woke up. It's uh, it's nice to have a little baseball talk to to warm the soul. So pull, just listen to the conversation. Up to the hot stove, man. Right. Because this is inside the clubhouse. I don't know how hot the stove is right now. The Cubs acquired somebody. That's with a major league contract. Somebody who actually played in the majors last year. That's pretty cool. But the White Sox have heated things up with SoxFest. You were there for most of the day yesterday, right, right Bruce? He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Bruce Levine. This is Inside the Clubhouse. We're here for you every Saturday, normally 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year. Today, a little shortened before we go to some basketball at 1030. But nonetheless, a lot of talk from the SoxFest. As Matt said, we'll talk about the most recent acquisition for the Chicago Cubs, Brad Brock, who is going to go into their bullpen and be an integral part of it. And your input is so important and necessary on this show at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. He'll read all that's worthy to put on the air. And by the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's, your number one destination for great food in Chicagoland. Max and Benny's Restaurant, Deli, and Bakery in Northbrook is your soup season hero. Chicken noodle, crepe cabbage, mushroom barley, and a daily different veggie soup warm the body and soothe the soul. Max and Benny's has great dinners from 4 to 9 p.m., seven days a week. Broiled chicken, skirt steak, and the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city are staples at MaxandBennys.com. Max and Benny's party room and catering deals are the best in town. Seating for 10 to 150 in the party room. Catering the entire North Shore. Call John at MaxandBennys.com. 30 minutes from downtown. 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Your winter home away from home. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. And uh, as you said, Matt... SoxFest kicked off yesterday, a lot of conversation uh, certainly going on out there, and more Manny Machado, Eli Jimenez, Ozzie Guillen. Where do you want to start? Well, you know, the the specter of Manny Machado kind of lingers over the whole weekend, and even with Eloy Jimenez uh, being very polished and impressive there, uh, as he has been, and Dylan Cease talking about stuff. Michael Kopech talking about his the, the rebuild and, and the return of an old friend um, with Ozzy uh, last night that we should talk about. I, I, I think the specter of Machado is what's lingering in this, this everlasting Manny Machado chase, just where the White Sox are in it, as we have the emergence of uh, what is no longer a mystery team. The Padres are, are legit in going after him. It you, seems. Know what, you know what really resonates with me, Matt, is that 
the White Sox are now in a position where after years and numbers have been revealed through different media sources and, you know, I'm a, I'm a culprit right along with a few others about revealing that they're now actually directly talking through the media to the White Sox fans about them being involved. I don't, you don't see any other team out there talking about their direction and how their pursuit of Manny Machado is essential to what they want to do going forward. There's a sense of pride um, from Rick on from the White Sox that they're legitimately at the table and in the conversation. Right. You could look at that a couple of ways. There are some people, if you don't like the Sox or you want to laugh at them, you can with that and say, look, oh my God, what a low bar this is. But the truth is, is where the organization has been. And it is a step forward to merely be here in the conversation. We've talked about it before. How many people laughed at the Cubs the first three years of their rebuild? How many free agents uh, like uh, Tanaka, you know, like uh, uh, Annabelle Sanchez turned down huge offers, $120, $130 million offer for mm-hmm. uh, Tanaka, $80 million for Annabelle Sanchez, who laughed at him and went to Detroit. But don't you think that lingering underneath that was a confidence that Theo Epstein knows what he was doing and had one He'd before never done and now? It before. He had never done it. He'd never done that before, but right. he'd certainly been around a very he, he, winning, functional organization. No before. doubt. And there, there is, as you point out, that street credibility that you won before, but you know, the White Sox won in 2005 with their, with their team too. So even though it had been a long time since they'd been competing on the level they want to, um, you know, there's that, but uh, rebuilds are something different. And for the White Sox to say, Hey, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're now expanding into our new zone in the third year of this, where we are seeking the top players in baseball to join us because we've already added top young players, it's it's a very important time for them, and it's an important time for a Brooks Boyer and the marketing department being able to sell tickets again, renewing that credibility of, uh, you know, we're here, we're we're something worthy of your summertime to watch. You know, I think it's an awkward moment for some White Sox fans because this thing is everlasting. It just has not ended and does not appear to be ending anytime super soon with Machado. And you can get exhausted by it uh, as well as kind of find yourself spinning in circles about it. And the question is, is that the way they feel? Is that the way Rick Hahn feels? Well, uh, you know, Rick Hahn talked about this yesterday, Matt. And as you uh, perfectly segue this into his conversation, he talked about uh, where the White Sox were at, are at right now and what their goals are in, in pursuing Manny Machado and other free agents. You know, I, a few things on Machado and and on Harper, on any premium free agent. that I, I think it's important not to lose the force for the trees here. And I say that, you know, not just to the, the media, but to White Sox fans and perhaps every bit as much to myself. Uh, First, I'm not allowed to get into discussions about or specifics about negotiations. I'm not allowed to get into specifics about free agent targets under the rules, and I'm going to honor that. I think it's important to avoid negotiating any of this stuff in the media. Uh, But a few points that I think uh, are important to take away from this. When this entire process started, when this offseason began, uh, I think most people viewed us as a long shot to land either of these premium free agents. I think, in fact, at one point, Vegas posted the odds of the six or seven most likely clubs to land either of these guys, and we weren't even listed. 
the fact that we are now sitting here in a potential position, or at least in a position where if we don't convert, people are going to be disappointed, I think is an important step forward for this organization. We belong at the table in these negotiations. We belong part of these negotiations for premium talent. And regardless of what happens over the next several weeks with either of these two players, we plan to continue to be at the table and continue to attempt to convert on these guys. Now, uh, second point, and again, this, this isn't somewhat directed to myself and the baseball operations department, all of us with the club and all of us who follow the club. Um, if for whatever reason we wind up not converting, I, I will certainly be disappointed. I will personally be disappointed in that. That said, from the standpoint of not losing the forest for the trees, when we started this process a little over two years ago, we made it very clear that we were going to try to accumulate as much premium talent as we possibly could because in the end, it was going to be about that depth and critical mass of impact players capable of winning a championship. It was never going to be about one player. It's not about Yohan Mancata or Ronaldo Lopez or Michael Kopech. It's not about Eloy. It's not about Dylan Cease. It's not about Nick Madrigal. Mike, er, the list goes on of guys we've added. And it's not going to be about any singular free agent. So does it sound like to you, Bruce, that they are kind of readying themselves, readying us in case they miss out? Or are they just kind of talking their way through the, the, the moment where they are of legitimately being unsure? Well, I just think that they're, they're being uh, transparent about the fact that they are willing to go to a certain extent to sign these free agents, but that one player is not going to make the difference right now in what they want to do for, for 2019 and maybe for 2020. <clears throat> it's the credibility of that the White Sox should be a destination for free agents, place that people want to go, a place that is going to be known as a winning franchise again. Those are the things that are important to Han and to Williams and to Jerry Reinsdorf, the fact that uh, their credibility – has been knocked down because of the fact that uh, they did this rebuild. Before that, their attempts to uh, be a contending team for four or five years since 2012 just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of messages in there. Uh, but uh, when you're the second team in a town that has the Chicago Cubs and you're in a rebuild, there's a lot of things that you have to do and a lot of things you have to say to make your point across. And again... Uh, I think it's all of that, what you brought up, Matt, the, the idea that uh, they are in offensive mode, but they're also in defensive mode at the same time. Yeah, you're right. I think that's probably true, that there's, they're headed in, in those directions as, as they talk about this. There was some that, um, that we didn't hear that you and I had listened to, and obviously you were, you were standing right there, Bruce, but in talking about, I believe it was 35 or 37 employees that had played some kind of role in this process of the courtship of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And now Rick Hahn had sent all of them an email. Thank you. Great job because they shifted gears into this kind of place. And it takes a lot for an organization to try and present themselves and sell themselves. But there's, there's a lot of energy there in talking about what process we've done, um, why we are legitimate. Um, in, and it, it just feels like kind of preparing themselves for the possibility of, of falling short. I, I, I think, why isn't Manny here already? You well, know? there's a couple things. You have to look at – we're looking at it from the team perspective. Mm -hmm. Teams interested in Machado. Uh, teams offering huge contracts to Machado. How Machado fits in. 
But our perspective on what Machado is looking for is limited, to say the least. We don't know what he's looking for as far as suitability for his wife and his family. Uh, the idea of how much money is, is – is it the most money or is it the livability of the city that's going to finally win out? In most cases, Matt, um, all things being equal, it's the money. You know, who offers, you know, $100 million more, $50 million more, $30 million more – because uh, that you're, you're going to have to be happy with that moving forward. And that doesn't seem like it's out there right now, Bruce. We've heard, and you've reported now very specifically, seven years, somewhere between 175 and $210 million, right? Right. And the presumption, Matt, that, um, hey, these are 26-year-old players who put up some great numbers, um, deserve 10, 11, 12 years. If it's was, not there, it's it was, not there. But it was only a, it was only a plant from from agents. Okay. It's, it's not a reality of the present marketplace. It's also a reality for owners and front office people that metrics now are so important in projecting what you can get out of players that, um, nobody is going to be able to project a 10 year deal and no matter how old player is and be able to project it coming out on the right side. You know, the Padres now revealed as one of those mystery teams. It, if they're in it, Bruce, because they look around and they see the market for it, and they're like, oh, that, that, that's where we are? We're at 175 for seven or 210 for seven? Well, we might be able to play in, in, in that kind of playground, right. or we might be able to get a little, even if we go a little lower, we're San Diego. It's beautiful here. Where do you want to play? What do you want to do? So they, it's not like they're that team coming in to offer 250 and blow them out of the water. No, I mean, they gave eight years to Hosmer last year, right? Um, that was a significant amount of money for a very average player mm-hmm. projected in their ballpark. A world champion, a leader in his own right, an mm-hmm. important guy in the clubhouse, but a guy that's going to average 15 home runs and uh, 60 to 70 RBIs for the rest of his career but, if he, at the very best in San Diego. But to your point, eight years, $144 million, so a willingness to go at least to those kind of places. And, boy, they used him right away in their PR campaign trying to show, look, this right. is, the, you know, but, we're, but, we're ready and we're ready to go. what type of war player was he for them? And what will he be going forward? Again, projected in that ballpark. That That is a, uh, a hitter's tomb mm-hmm. in uh, San Diego. So are you? how much blue sky are you buying with a Hosmer? How much more reality of production are you buying from Machado or a Harper in your ballpark? Boy, and- yeah, it, A.J. Preller is a madman. The, the San Diego GM, I mean, for those who may not remember, he got the job in, in 2015. He immediately goes out and gets Justin Upton, Matt Kemp, James Shields, Will Myers, Craig Kimbrell. They go 74-88, and 88, finish in fourth place, and reverse field completely and go back to rebuild mode. So right. then last year, the Hosmer signing was a surprise. They've got a pretty good farm system, including Fernando Tatis Jr. I've heard he's good at shortstop. And then now they might, they're, they're seemingly showing interest in both Machado and JT Real Muto. It's it's crazy to try and predict what AJ well, Preller's going to do. Look at the... Uh... Look at the the batting averages, which nobody looks at anymore. But look at the slug. Look at the OPS for the San Diego Padres from last year. And you'll see a team void of any real credible uh, middle-of-the-order guys to hit. I mean, they have some really fine young players coming 
probably the top system in baseball, but it ain't there yet. And they need a lot of support for those guys. More importantly, um, they need somebody to help lead. They need somebody that's been around that can, uh, that can, that can add some credibility in the clubhouse and on the field uh, for them if they're going to take a step forward. And they understand that process too, about the type of people you bring in and what they bring uh, to the table. Uh, the thing with Machado and Harper is uh, both extremely great talents, both uh, certainly superstars in their own right, but not leaders on their team. Uh, not guys that are uh, going to be anything other than the uh, probably the guys that are on the top on on your media guide, and they're they're going to be getting a lot of publicity, but not necessarily uh, the leaders of your club when you bring them in. Yeah, I, I I certainly wouldn't think of Machado that way. I I I'd think that Harper might have a chance to grow into that kind of thing. You might, but would you want to gamble? You know, three hundred million on it. Well, yeah, it depends on how much you you, you want that factor in there. Right. Do, do we have? Do we believe there's another mystery team? And I, I don't think at this point there are mystery teams. I think what's happened, and uh, unfortunately for the White Sox, or fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, because their some of their money and their years has been reported. I think teams like San Diego and other teams are going, hmm, maybe we can get into this thing for five years. Maybe we can front load this for three years and let the guy walk after paying him $100 million for three years, and he helps us uh, get to the next area. Now, that wouldn't be San Diego because they're not ready to win yet. So it would be a longer contract that would lock him in. It's the same thing with the White Sox. They're not looking for a short-term deal with Machado to satisfy the economics of it, they're looking for a long-term commitment from a guy that's going to help them win uh, in 2020, 21, 22, and 23. I wish the stove was hotter, Bruce. I think we're about 50 days, according to Amish Mike. We are 50 days from um, from pitchers and catchers. 50? 50. Nine, 19. 19 days yeah. from pitchers and yeah. catchers. 50 yeah. days from opening day, Correct. maybe, for, Correct. for Amish Mike. So 50 days from opening day. And you've got so 19 days from pitchers and catchers. You've got some people out there already in Arizona, including media out there covering some stuff. And when are these guys going to be signed? Right. Is camp going to open without these two guys, Harper and Machado, among everybody else? I will, I will uh, remind people that um, you, Darvish, signed a couple days before days. spring training last year. Yep. Um, I would say that um, Jake Arietta signed in March. Already, spring training started, mm-hmm. and you you didn't get either you didn't get results from either one that you thought. Now, is it coincidence or the fact that uh, they didn't know where they were going and they weren't necessarily uh, ready for a change of venue to get uh, involved in that city to get settled in that city before they went to spring training? Um, you know, again, money ruled in both situations, but was it uh, you know, Darvish got hurt. But he was one in five with a four seventy ERA in eight starts before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it wasn't the being, start wasn't the start they wanted. Being booed off the mound right. at Wrigley Arietta Field was ten at ten and eleven last year with about a three eighty five or three ninety ERA. Started better than that at thirty starts, but it wasn't exactly wasn't exactly what they were looking for for seventy five million dollars guaranteed. Quite a lot of pessimism about the White Sox on the text lines. And as always, my job is to try and figure out if those are Sox fans 
or if they are Sox haters masquerading as Sox fans being pessimistic about their team. It's very difficult what we mm. do here, Bruce. I, I know it is. Yeah. Eric Hosmer signed, by the way, February 18th last year. So to your point, this is going very, very late again. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. The state of free agency with these two giant unsigned targets. News out of SoxFest. Whatever you want to talk about. The Cubs signing of Brad Brock. We will discuss 67011 via text. And we'll talk about a man showing up yesterday at SoxFest uh, back seemingly where he belongs. It's MLB Bruce Levine on Twitter. I'm Matt Spiegel, 670, inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. I, I'm not trying to hide the ball here. I will be personally disappointed. I will feel that on my on myself if we fail to convert. That's Rick Hahn a second time in his uh, long Q&A with the reporters where he addressed that particular issue. We played you a long one before. It's inside the clubhouse here on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine. He will be personally disappointed if right. they fail to convert. He mitigated it with everything else, but he will be personally disappointed right. if they and, fail. And he did a, a first, uh, when the Saxfest opened, he did a general conversation with uh, probably 50 reporters and TV people. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the second part where you heard it uh, said again, uh, he did a, some side sessions with reporters as well, talking about uh, more inside stuff about the perception of uh, Machado and what the uh, – what the, what the organization's viewpoint of this is now and going forward. This hour of the score being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. And the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Don't miss Coach Collins and the Cats at the new Welsh Ryan Arena this season. Single game tickets are available for Penn State, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Buy them now at nusports.com. To the phones we go. Adam is in his car on 355. Drive safe, Adam. What's happening? Morning, gentlemen. I'm uh, just have something that was kicking around in my head in terms of not seeing a lot of these long-term big money deals that I think we all anticipated. Could there be something with the owners looking ahead to the end of the CBA in a couple years, kind of already saying we expect a strike, we don't expect you to be working in two years. Is that maybe impacting why we're not seeing anything going past maybe three or four years and keeping the money a bit deflated? I mean, that's a possibility that that could be the end result uh, two or three years from now, but I don't think I, I think setting new standards now is basically what the owners are trying to do. Matt, they're saying, "Hey, we're going to offer top money. People are still going to make thirty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to offer relievers uh, two years, twenty five million dollars. I mean, that's a lot of money for uh, you know a guy or out of Vino, three years, twenty seven million dollars. That's a ton of money for a middle reliever. Okay, but." We're not going to go uh, the five, six, seven, eight, ten-year contracts as in the past because our metrics people, yep. our GMs, our presidents of baseball operations have done a tremendous amount of work analyzing what works and what doesn't, and we're not throwing all this future money at people knowing that uh, the likelihood of us uh, getting anything good out of it will uh, will happen. We're we're just not throwing money away for for no good reason. And if that ends up being uh, putting both sides at loggerheads uh, in 2021, where they have a new CBA, uh, so be it. But I think you know the foreshadowing of all this right now, Matt, is mm-hmm. the key to the fact that um, uh, this is business that was done a certain way three, four, five years ago is not going to be the way business is handled. 
from from now on. Remember how much time we spent talking about the modernization of the Cubs organization and front office when Theo and them took over and how they had to do so many things technically and with staffing and with all kinds of things. Just about every organization in baseball has undergone that at some point in the last 10 to 15 years, unless they were supremely healthy beforehand. There's not a lot of stupid left. There's not a lot of organizations that don't know what they're doing. So there is a logical acceptance that guys do not do well at the end of those deals, especially in the PED testing era that we're in that. So even if you're 26, they're just not, they don't want to pay you after you turn 32, 33. Let's look at the Cubs, uh, two most important uh, acquisitions in recent times. They paid six years for you Darvish based on the fact that he had a new elbow ligament and that that arm was in pristine condition. And their projections were that we would get the most out of him and more out of him over a five or six year deal than we would over Jake Arietta. Okay, mm-hmm. was already showing signs of losing his power numbers on his fastball and slider. So all, all true, except you know, last year he he wasn't able to uh, go to the post after hurting himself. So all the metrics in the world are not going to prevent you from from that. But also, uh, what what changed everything for the offseason for the Cubs? Signing Hamels to uh, a one year twenty million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are two things right now that uh, have changed the dynamic for the Cubs as far as spending. And the most important uh, thing to look to is the fact that the minor league system has not supplied you with the proper replacements in that rotation. That's absolutely true. Um, Theo Epstein has a long history of failure with some big money free agent contracts, and that is playing out a little bit, and the, the farm system not doing its job. Later on, I want to talk about a GM who I think is the best of, of the big market guys. I mean, it's either him or Brian Cashman, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, the, the point is here is that Epstein and Hoyer and McLeod are all still – outstanding people in the baseball business, but they're being hamstrung by an, by a minor league system that's not producing the pitchers that they need mm-hmm. to step forward and step away from spending $240, $50, million in payroll every year. But they're responsible for said minor league system. Of course they are, and they're also responsible for winning a championship here, averaging 97 wins mm-hmm. and going to the playoffs four years in a row. Texture says the Orioles are still stupid. No, see, I they, until this offseason... They were the ones that I pointed at, like, oh, yeah, that's the, 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 the idiot at the table. Not anymore. They just redid everything. They just got rid of Duquette, and they got rid of Buck, and, and they changed everything over, and they're modernizing quite a bit. I think you've lost your chance to steal Jake Arietta or Kevin Gaussman from them again. That kind of thing. Right. Uh, these textures at 670-11. Manny Machado isn't here because he doesn't want to be here. If he signed with the Sox, it would only be because he is out of options. This, this is some of the pessimism that's out there. I think the Sox are happy their proposal got out so more teams would get involved so the Sox can have the appearance of trying without really trying. Well, I mean, that, can't, that can't be right. Because you, you already have an offer on the table, okay? If accepted and the agent uh, says, now the White Sox are not offering it, uh, then the then the White Sox would look like an organization 
that you would never want to go to. So that th- there's that's, makes that's no r- sense. Makes no sense None. at all. Um, this texter, as a former minor leaguer, I've seen how married men behave on the road. I think the Sox shot themselves in the foot. Machado will not want to have big bro-in-law looking over his shoulder for six or seven years. It, it's a moot point because <laughs> his wife travels uh, 75% of the time with Machado on the road. Listen to that. There it is. And there is... Uh, uh, there's a great relationship with Yonder Alonso. I love what the White right. Sox well, that's have done. A, that's her brother. Yep. But uh, he he doesn't need to. He doesn't have to worry about a watchdog because not not only does she travel with him, but he wants her to travel with him. That's why she takes uh, commercial flights to almost every city and hangs with him because they are not only husband and wife, but they are best friends. There's a good so, bit of I mean, information. That, it's, it's good to know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You to figure out exactly what kind of person you're dealing with. This, uh, I love what the White Sox have done in building this specific nest for Manny Machado. Uh, this texter, the best part of this free agency period as a Sox fan is that the future is bright for this actual season without Machado and Harper or with them. You got Eloy is coming. Eloy Jimenez is going to be here in April. What, mid-April? Probably. Right. You have the continued development of Renato Lopez, Lucas Giolito, who we're going to talk to at 10 a.m., Yohan Moncada, hopefully. Dylan Cease is in the position that Kopech was in at this point last year. Right. Uh, you know, and you've got Luis Robert is healthy and injury-free. So there, there's a ton of stuff. How fast is Nick Madrigal going to fly through the system? This should be a good year to be a Sox fan and watch as you're getting closer no matter what happens. Cub here. fans, uh, let's update you on some things. Uh, Brad Brock has signed a contract with the Cubs for next year that can max out at about $4.3 million. They've also signed uh, a local guy by the name of George Cantos who's had a great career with the Giants and will have a minor league uh, invite to spring training signing a, a one-year deal with the Cubs, and also reported this morning is Tazawa. Junichi Tazawa has signed a minor league contract uh, with the Cubs. Uh, Tazawa has, has been a Marlin. Um, I know there's, there's some injury history as well, but, yeah, I saw this. Junichi Tazawa to a minor league deal. He's 32 years old. Two bad seasons uh, for Miami. Um, but he was he was pretty darn good as a Red Sox long reliever um, during some time there uh, at the tail end of, uh, of, of uh, actually no I think it was after Theo had left that he was a, a real good part of things there. In so Boston. they are piecing it together. They realize the bullpen needs fortification, and Brock is certainly going to be counted on to be a back 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 end help as well. Mm-hmm. And and then Cantos. Uh, has gained uh, three miles an hour from throwing uh, at 88 at the end of last year by uh, going to this uh, special place where they um, they help you with your metrics and with your delivery. And there's a there's a whole new uh, you know aspect of George Cantos who's now throwing the ball 91 miles an hour and looks to uh, to get back into major leagues as a legit um, middle reliever. Yeah, that's driveline baseball, right? Drive line. There's yep. a few different places like that where guys go and they seem to be able to add velocity through uh, through through mechanics and and some some high technology stuff. Tazawa did come up through the Red Sox system when Theo was there but had a success after Theo had gone. Let's hit a couple of calls before we uh, take the break. Lucas Giolito joining us from Saxwest top of the hour your calls always Encouraged at 312-644-6767. This is Jeff in Springfield on the score. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hey, hey guys. Great show as usual. Hey, answer me a question, gentlemen. If we are short-staffed with money on the Cubs side, why did we drop $20 million on Cole Hamels like there was no other options in the world? 
Heck, if he was still out there, he'd be a, still be a free agent. You can negotiate him with right now. I'll hang up and listen. Okay. You know, it's a fair point. Um, Hamill's coming off of a bad start to 2018, pitched uh, exceedingly well for the Chicago Cubs. The 4-3 and three record is not reflective of the fact that I'd say every start but maybe one was a quality start for Hamels last year. And that type of uh, professionalism as well as what they saw as far as work ethic and the ability for this guy to continue to uh, hold on to his fastball was all they needed to know as, as far as wanting to pick up the $20 million option. Again, uh, without depth in the starting rotation from the minor leagues, uh, this was, to them, something that they felt they had to do to continue to compete and try to win in 2019. And even though 20 is a big number, it's nice that there's cost certainty in terms of it coming off the books after this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, we have $60 million on the north side that should come off the books uh, next year uh, in, in existing contracts. So there'll be some flexibility there as well. But, you know, winning in this window is, again, we have to remind people this window is between now and 2021. And the pitching staff is between now and the next two years. You want to win another World Series or two, um, you have the best rotation in uh, the Central Division. You have one of the best rotations, one through five. Maybe not the sexiest, Matt, but one through five, I would challenge just about any rotation in the National League is not as good. Well, and Montgomery is your six, which is an right. awfully nice place to be. Right. Look, when we, we spoke to Jed Hoyer last week, who says that he expects the expectations for you, Darvish, are front of the rotation starter. Not just come back and be a part of things and be healthy throughout the year. No, no, no. Come back and be you freaking Darvish. That's what they paid for. That's what they want. If that's what they get along with a full year of an engaged Cole Hamels, it could mean very, very good. Things and and it's a great point. You make an engaged Cole Hamels, somebody playing on a team, uh, not in a ballpark where you get crushed by uh, the mm-hmm. ballpark uh, dimensions uh, with championship caliber, other players that is, you know, certainly intoxicating to a pitcher like him. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Let's quickly talk to Ron on the south side on the score before we take a break. What do you say, Ron? How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. You know, I was just sharing with you with with the, your great um, producer that you know it's very unfortunate these last two seasons, um, other than probably opening day of baseball. Uh, this has really has been really the most exciting time for baseball. But the you know the lack of signing players, and as far as um, Manning Todd, I'm pretty much done, guys. I, you know, wherever he ends up. But leading me to my second point, uh, and Bruce, maybe you know a little more insight. You know, what about the talk of the possible trade with the Dodgers for Jack Jack Peterson, guys? You all see how that may help the Sox. I am concerned because he's a high strikeout player, which we really don't need. But he's 26 years old. But lastly, he plays in the outfield, and we have outfield prospects coming in. But maybe you all can talk about that. Well, thanks, uh, guys. thanks. There's there's some real reality to Jack Peterson and the, and the White Sox. So that that is out there right now, Matt. And uh, because of the addition of A.J. Pollock to the Dodgers outfield and uh, the addition of that money, uh, they will be moving Jack Peterson. There have been conversations with the White Sox, to the best of my knowledge of people I talk to. Uh, there's not a deal done there at this point, but Peterson would definitely fit in the short term. I think there's two years left on his contract before he's a free agent. Left-handed power bat, you know, a guy that can play center field. Um, 
Right now, the White Sox still need pop in the outfield, even with Eloy. Well, and it, it is short-term, as you say. He's arbitration eligible for 2020 and then a free agent there after 2021. Um, I, I've always liked Jock Peterson more athletic than 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 I I might have thought at the beginning. Right. Not, and not a not a, a Gold Glove outfielder, no. but can play there. Mm-hmm. And that type of pop uh, from L.A. transferred to uh, guaranteed rate. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a potential thirty to thirty-five home run hitter. That more importantly gives you more balance from the left side. That's where the White Sox are going to be a little bit better at this year. More left-handed power with Alonzo and with uh, this guy if they acquire him. So that's something for White Sox fans to watch here over the next couple of weeks of whether or not uh, Peterson uh, becomes a Chicago White Sox player. 670 scores where you are. We'll talk to Lucas Giolito at the top of the hour. I want to talk to you, Bruce, about somebody who I think is an incredible GM and uh, in these modern times and get your thoughts on that. It's inside the clubhouse on the score. I was in Venezuela uh, doing a terrible job managing. <laughs> I said, well, if, if we not go make the playoff or something, uh, I want to be back here and talk to the PR department. Uh, obviously, before I left, I talked to, uh, to Jerry about it. I want to be but, you know, be, be back. Well, I was back. I was in the ballpark a lot, but uh, I want to be part of the White Sox organization doing this step. I want to be invited to to, to the Sox Fest. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're eliminated. And I just came from Caracas yesterday. Yeah, that's Ozzy Gian, The unmistakable voice of Ozzy Gian there at Sox Fest. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine here with you on Inside the Clubhouse. Ozzy said he was managing not very well in Venezuela. They got knocked out, and he is here. And part of why he's here is because Jerry Reinsdorf is a father figure to Ozzy Gian. You know, Jerry's like my father. You know, Jerry's like my father, and he always going to be. He's a guy, make you know, sign me, give me a chance to play in the big league and give me a chance to manage in the big league. And I think it's, a, it's you know, I mean, it's like a, you're always going to have on and off with you. With your parents, all your all your kids, uh, it's over with, and, and we talk all the time. And uh, last couple of, uh, last couple of months, we've been talking, and everything's cool. So, Bruce, there he is, first time in eight years, Ozzy Gian at Sox Fest, and he was happy to be there. Fans happy to see him too. And and you have to read into exactly what he said. Uh, I was talking to uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, and everything is cool. It wasn't cool for the last eight years, okay? There was a disconnect between Ozzy and uh, the chairman because of the way that he left here in after 2011 and took that job with Miami. Uh, there was a erosion of their very, very close relationship where Ozzy was considered a son just like Kenny Williams was uh, at that point. And uh, Ozzy, uh, Ozzy took the money in Miami. He decided uh, it was time for him to move on. And uh, the, the relationship has had not been repaired until recently. And, th- and that's a deciding part of Ozzy being coming back to Soxfest and Ozzy being considered to be around the team uh, from now on. You were lucky enough to be there last night for the panel. I wish I was there on Mark Burley's perfect game. Dwayne Wise was there. Ozzy and Kenny Williams both sitting there talking about, I think, Darren Jackson, too. One of the more memorable days of... Uh, of of my baseball, either fandom or coverage, depending on how you want to look at that particular day. But uh, how was that last night to see Ozzy and Kenny kind of holding court side by side? Well, Ozzy and Kenny repaired their relationship four or five years ago. Uh, They were, they talked all the time, but uh, there was, you know, again, this coldness between uh, 
the chairman and Ozzy that hasn't hadn't been talked about until you know the recent months here and and you know Ozzy took the initiative to try to repair this relationship. Jerry was open to him coming to Soxfest, Soxfest, and that's the beginning of will Ozzy be a part of uh, you know not just pre and post game, but uh, you know I'm hearing that he might be a part of uh, you know in game programming as far as uh, games go on. Uh, on their cables um, stations. Wow, so, that's interesting. So, you know, I mean, you know, we say, well, we'll go to Ozzy Guillen. He has this on, uh, you know, uh, Giolito and what he's doing right now. So, um, you know, Ozzy's, Ozzy wants to be around here. He considers himself a Chicago White Sox. And, uh, you know, if if not managing somewhere else, uh, hopefully there'll be jobs for Ozzy with the White Sox in the future. Well, here's what he had to say about the manager who's there right now, because Lord knows it's very easy to come to the conclusion that Ozzy wants that particular job. Uh, we have a manager. I respect him. I'm not come here to look for a manager in your job. Um, that's the last thing I think about it. I just want to help the organization the, the way I can. Oh, just continue being TV, making easy money, talking about baseball. And by players, when I'm making good money, that's the best job I have. That's Ozzy again, enjoying talking about baseball, but also enjoying being back with the White Sox. Lucas Giolito joining us live from Sox Fest next. Your calls on Cubs and Sox all the way to the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. We'll be right back on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.